Good morning. Please be seated. Please be seated. Wait, I don't, Dennis, I don't think they're awake. I don't think they're awake yet. I didn't hear anything. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it is great to see you. It is great to be here. Uh, today is going to be a little bit different for you because I'm not here to preach to you. Uh, there's a lot of anointed men in this church, and they have been preaching to you and sharing with you. So I'm not going to do that. I am here to actually talk and share my heart to you because I see great things of this congregation. I see great things of this church. I see great things of this community, this town, and this country that are possible. And I'm going to talk to that basis today. So, I'm sorry. I figured y'all would be hearing, y'all traveled all the way here. I figured y'all would be hearing wonderful Dennis, but you get to hear me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's great to be here today. All right, so let's get started here. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am. As he said, I am a minister. I'm ordained in the gospel of Christ. I have been ordained since 1982. I was a young man February 25th of that same year. I came to know Christ as my Lord and Savior, and at that moment, realized at that moment that I had to be the vessel in which He indwells and comes in, and now I am no longer me. I allow Him to be the Christ that He is, to live through me. My feet are His, my hands are His, my mouth is His, my mind is His, and my heart. And from that moment on, and from that moment on, I have sought to be in His service. And that's what I'm bringing to you today. In my journey, in my journey, God has become real to me in the most extraordinary ways. He has revealed Himself to me, not only in my life, but the lives around me. For example, Reverend Allen. And in this past week, getting to know The leadership of this congregation, this church, I have seen God use you and work in the people around you. And I praise God for that. All right. So let's get to it. The first thing I wanted to do is tell you my vision. And my vision is very simple. To let you know how God can work through you. You see, that is the difference of being a Christian. You see, the amazing word, if you take the word Christian and you basically say Christ in, that is really what's happening. So how is Christ in you becoming an outpouring to the people around you? So we're going to do a little bit of that. One of the scriptures that is interesting is I'm going to use Jeremiah 29, 11th and 12th. We know it and I can quote it, but the thing is, for I know I have... For I know the plan I have for you. You see, before you were born, and Scripture says this, before you were born, He knew you. Before you were born, He had a plan for you. And before you chose Him, He chose you. Do you realize that the very One that created you chose you? So, let me give you something here. He chose you because you are of someone of value. No matter the sins you did before, no matter what your life was, no matter the experience you had, 
bad. He saw the value in you and chose you. And he revealed himself to you. And all you had to do is what? Choose him. And that's what you did. And that's what I hope you did. But on to that, that plan he had to you for you, the plan to prosper you. We're not talking about financially. We, he did. But that wasn't all. It was to prosper you greater in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your business, in your church, in your community. To prosper you in many ways. Prosperity isn't just money. Prosperity is what you are doing with your life. All right. It's not that hard. You see, God has that plan for you to grow you, and he wants to grow you. So how do you grow? You know, there are basic things that we've heard weekly in church. Daily, we read it in the Word of God. We're told to spend time in the Word of God. We're told to fellowship with one another. We're directed to do ministry to other people. We know those things, but I want to go deeper into that. By our actions are what we're going to do. You see, there was a verse put up here earlier, and we read it, and it was in Luke 1 through 6. I want to use 1 through 6, and we know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was an interesting individual about his history and what he did for a living. We understood about Zacchaeus about one thing, his height. We knew he was a wee little little man. He was small and short in stature. You see, when I talk to you about the plan of God, I want you to recognize one little thing in there. It's a little bitty thing that we forget about. You see, God knew this was going to happen years before. You see, God knew that Jesus, His Son, would be walking that path. And He knew that Zacchaeus will need to be there. But He also knew, because He created him, Zacchaeus was small. So what did He do? He planted a tree... In that one little spot. Okay, let's think about this for a minute. If God had a plan years before, because I don't know how long it took to grow that tree. It could have been a hundred years. I don't know, because it was along a path that seed was protected. You see, God had a plan for that very moment, that very day... Zacchaeus. So if he planned a tree years before to grow high enough and strong enough to hold Zacchaeus so he can see Jesus, what does he plan for you? What do we take for granted what he's planned for you? I just want you to take that moment and think of what we may have overlooked or take for granted that God has put in your path and your plan, His plan, for you. But who are we? So how do we grow? How do we do that? See, God made and ordained that tree to grow. He put the certain amount of water. He put the certain amount of nutrients. He 
provided for it, for it to grow for that special moment. But there's something more that tree had to do and be what it was. You see, if that tree all of a sudden decided, hey, I don't want to be a tree anymore. I want to be a bird. Could it be a bird? No. Because God ordained it to be that tree for that purpose, for that time. What has God planned for you? You see, He designed you in a special way, a unique way. And God has designed certain laws to be in place. To tell you a little bit about myself, I've had the opportunity over the years, I jumped out of planes. I have over 300 times that I've jumped out of planes. Now, when I usually phrase that I've jumped out of planes... I actually tend to say I've landed over 300 times. You see, because there's a law. That law says, and it's gravity, that law says that I will not continue flying. I will come down to the ground. You see, I've never had a fear of jumping out of a plane. That has never been my fear. My fear is that the chute wouldn't open up before I got to the ground. My fear was my landing. But by the grace of God, each time my chute opened. Sometimes a little different, sometimes a little late. But it opened. And I landed because of a law called gravity. Because, believe me, if we didn't have gravity and I jumped out of that plane, I'd still be up there. And that would not be good for this very large and round of brony to be up there like that. It would not be good at all. But I came down because there's laws. And I want to talk to you about one particular law. It's the law of the ladder. It's something that we, in my training with John Maxwell and with my training and leadership, We've come to recognize it in my business environment because I do own two businesses as well. I own a business for safety training. I train people when they go to work. I teach them the right one, the regulations that they have to follow, but how to stay safe so they can return home to their family. That's one of my businesses, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. My other business is, is working with my wife. We have started to train service animals, service dogs, to help the needy or the special needs in that environment. So working with personalities and working with people have always been more to my business because that is one of my passions is people. And that's where I want to see you all improve. So there's one law I want to bring to you. We refer to it as the law of the ladder. And the law of the ladder is a, it basically has rungs. If you look at a ladder, it has rungs. It has steps to each step to go up. And there's certain things we need to do to rise. Now, the law of the ladder is very interesting. So let's talk about those rungs. Number one, I'll focus on being a better, uh, being better on the inside than on the outside. That right there is a character of what? It's a character in Proverbs. I will be better on the inside than I am on the outside. If you want to make a difference in your church, in your community, in your life, and in your family, I want to be better on the inside than I'm outside. How many of y'all, when y'all get ready for church, y'all are going to put on your finest, your best, and everything, right? What does that say? That says I'm 
pretty on the outside. Believe me, look at me, I'm pretty on the outside. Believe me, on the inside, I'm even prettier because God has been working on me. But that's really what we see. So when do we see that? One of the things we look at, the story, one of the things that happened when I was a young minister and going through college, I was asked for by a church to become an interim pastor, a temporary pastor while they were going through some transition with their pastor. He was moving on, and they didn't want to move any of the ministers in place yet because they wanted to evaluate, pray, and spend time if they were going to move somebody up or bring somebody new in. So they asked me to step in as the interim pastor. But the first day I did that, it was a very wealthy church, thankfully. It was very wealthy, very high regard. So I decided, hmm, we're going to do something different. I dressed, as in the States, a bum. I wore ratty clothes. Back then I had hair. I didn't wash it. I let it go a little while. Yes, I had hair at one time. (sighs) We all had? Okay. And I dressed down. And the worst I could find. And I showed up to the church. And I walked up to the front door. And the interesting thing is the greeters at the door escorted me to another area of the church and then actually out the back door. Not only did they do that, I found another door and I tried to go into that one. They even closed the door on me. But fortunately with the pastor, he knew what I was doing. And also two of the elders of the church knew what I was doing. So they kind of planned it to get me in and sneak me in a back door. And I stayed back there while the pastor got up and gave the introduction to the new interim pastor. And I walked in from backstage as I was. Imagine the faces of the people that looked down on me and turned me away, what their expression was. And my first words to them were, we have work to do. Why? They were looking at the outside. They had no countenance of what was on the inside. They had no understanding of what was on the inside. They just looked at the outside. I guarantee you, if I would have shown up in my best suit brightest shoes, my hair at the time combed and pretty, they would open the doors for me, welcome me. But how many times do we turn away without looking at the inside? And inside is what the difference is going to be. You see, Proverbs writer, and one of the wrote years ago, as we think in our hearts, so we become. If we think who we are, or we think negative things, or we think we are useless, or we think wrong things, we actually become that. 
You see, God designed you in a way, and I didn't plan on talking to you about this. God designed you in a way of a conscious mind that we act out on, that we do things, but under that we have an unconscious mind that grows us because what's in our unconscious that people don't see, that people don't hear, that people don't know about, what's going on in the unconscious mind that we're feeding by lies, that we're feeding by deceit, that we're feeding by immorality, that we're feeding that, guess what happens? It comes out of our conscious mind. And we act on those things instead of what really needs to be acted on. But that's a whole other lesson. That's a whole other thought process how God designed you. By the way, my background is in psychology as well. So the human mind is an amazing thing. Those of us who have one, it's an amazing thing, the mind. Why, you know if you like that? You're laughing over here very fast. But the human mind is amazing. I've had the opportunity to share about one of my sons who has multiple disabilities. The events, because I'm not there, and we found out yesterday, and I hadn't got to share it with him, he admitted finally he hated that I had left him. Because he's adopted And he was abandoned as a baby. And it's still a part of him. And because I left to come here, he actually admitted last night that he feels I abandoned him. The human mind is amazing. From a child, from a baby, who couldn't even speak at the time, still brings back those memories and thoughts. So, Back to the mind. Back to the ladder. Electronics are amazing. They just shut off on you at the weirdest times. All right. That was the first one. I will focus on being better on the inside than on the outside. If you do things you need to do, do them. Then someday you can do things you want to do when you want to do them. It's a little twist on words. But anyway, let me go to number two. I will follow the golden rule. Anybody, can anybody quote me the golden rule? Yes. Do to them what you want done to you. It's a good rule, right? It's a good thing to live by. It's not direct Scripture. But it is part of Scripture, if you think about it. Because other philosophies have taken that same statement and used it in their own philosophies. But it's a good thing. Because that rule, it's a rule of thumb, it's a good guide on behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Here's the thing. How do we act on that? Just stop and think for yourself. Ask yourself... What do you want people to do for you? What do you want them to do for you or to you? Now, stop. Don't expect them to do it to for you. Stop and start doing it for others. You act. You take action and start doing it for others. And the amazing thing that happens... It starts coming back. 
See, because what you're starting to do is bring into your mind the pure things, the right things, and you're starting to change your thinking. How many of you like change? Anybody in here like change? Nah. Here, let's do a simple test. All right, I want everybody in here to take your hands and make them do this, like you're praying. It's comfortable, isn't it? Immediately, right when you went to it, it's comfortable. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to take your fingers and shift over one finger. Is that comfortable? It's not comfortable, is it? Change is uncomfortable. Change is difficult. Now, all right, I want everybody to clap. Just one time. One time. Pretty simple, right? All right. How many of you notice, like, when I clap, I always tend to hold this hand and do this. I want you to switch. Is it uncomfortable? Change is uncomfortable. Now, most of y'all, because you praise so much, you're ready to go. But is it comfortable? No, it's not. Change is not comfortable. And what I'm talking to you about today, these simple little truths, are change. And it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. But it is possible. Because the reward... And I don't want you all to think about the change... Fear is one of the biggest problems of why we don't change. I had a great meeting last Wednesday with some amazing people, about 350 to 400 people at our conference last Wednesday. By the way, I had a great meeting with the else president. He was very respectful, very honorable, and loves his country. I just want you to know that I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, the way he greeted us, the way he spoke to us, the desire by leadership and growing people, growing leadership moral and higher um, leaders of high character. He was talking about that, and we had a good conversation. It was great. Uh, by the way, those of y'all that prayed for us, thank y'all. Uh, anyway, so, it's very uncomfortable change, but we can do that. Change can happen. All right. Number three, I will teach only what I believe. This is what it is. What do you believe? If I came down and sat down, or we had lunch together, or coffee together, well, some of y'all don't drink coffee, or tea together, or uh, anything, sitting down together, and I started asking you, what do you truly believe? Can you tell me what you believe? Do you know what you believe? Believe me, you are getting amazing teaching here. You're getting... Biblical teaching here. But do you know what you believe? Do you understand what you believe? Because I'm going to tell you, when you believe something, you're going to become passionate about it. And through that passion will come the words that God puts before you. When you believe it wholeheartedly and understand it, you will act on it. What do you believe? Know what you believe. Take the time to study it and understand it. And that's where we're going to move. Borrowed beliefs. If I do not fully believe it and I start teaching what somebody else believes, borrowed beliefs have no passion. Therefore, because it has no passion, has no power. So when you're trying to witness 
to your friends, when you're trying to tell them about Christ and you truly do not believe it or understand it, what you're saying is having, has no power. Now, thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit to step in. But I'm asking you, take the time to know what you believe. That's why Wednesday's service, night service is so important. The way you said it, because it is in your prayer life, is going to change you. Take the time to do that. Number four, I will value humility. i got a question. Can anybody in here name somebody that you know that is humble? Can you? Now, how many of you, when you're sitting here and other people are thinking of you, are thinking that you're humble? Or are they not thinking about you? That's something you need to look inside. Humility is a great tool. Humility is where you're going to be. Above all virtues. Because your perspective matters. At the end of our lives, we don't want regrets. We don't want regrets. We don't want to be the boastful. We don't want to be the boisterous. We don't want to be known as the mouth. The one who talked, the one who spout, whether it be truths or untruths. We want to be known. Remember the big picture. There's a statement uh, John F. Kennedy said, a quote by him. My sea is so big, but my boat is small. That's humble. We know we have this great task. What are you called to do? What is the number one calling of Christ? The number one calling is what? One, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. That's a big task. Especially when you look on this continent. Feed my sheep. It's a big task. And my boat is small. But the thing is, We can row that boat. Just row it. And let God direct that. Recognize that everyone has a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. That's fine. But even more important for humility, recognize your weaknesses. If I did sit down with you and I ask you, what weaknesses do you have? What are your weaknesses? Would you be able to tell them? You should know them. Why? Because those are areas that you know you're vulnerable in. Those are areas that you know you're going to have a rough time in. Be teachable. I love being around people in my life that are teaching me. You see, I've understood that in my level of understanding and my level of learning, I need to be around people that teach me and feed me. How many times, yes, I do have to go to the centers. Yes, do I do have to go out there. And I don't mind doing that. But I would, there is no way I could do it with any effort or with any quality or with any benefit if I didn't have others with me, like-mindedness, that are strong, that are honorable, that are powerful men. You see, I recognized when I started my business, and my first business failed. 
My first business failed and crumbled horribly. And one of the things I recognized, and thankfully to the council of good men, I recognized I needed to surround myself with people of high quality and high character. Did you just hear one word I said there? Of high character? When you surround yourself with people that are not of high character, guess what you start doing? What was that? You start portraying the same characters, don't you? But when you have people of high character around you, what happens? You start portraying that character. And that's what's going to grow you. That's what's going to grow your family. That's what's going to grow your church. Stand together of high character, as we all know. (laughs) My son, I have another son. (laughs) I have two sons. I have a daughter, too. And I have five grandkids. But my 12-year-old son is extremely intelligent. He's extremely smart. And unfortunately in school, he started hanging around those kids that I really didn't want my kids or my son around. He started bringing home those behaviors, those comments, and those actions. And finally, after he got in some severe trouble, with me for one, but also with the school, He recognized something was wrong and he came to me for counsel. And the first thing I said, who are you hanging around? Who are your friends? Who are your peers? Who are you talking to? Who are you listening to? Thankfully, he changed that. Last year, last year and a half, excuse me, he's given himself over to Christ. And I had the pleasure of baptizing him and seeing what God has done. But in that, in that, not only friends have also come to know Christ because he has been the example. So, who do you hang around? Be willing to serve others. Service is one of the best things. Be willing to serve others because it cultivates, it cultivates and develops humility in you. When you serve somebody... It builds that in you, character in you, humility in you. Serve. Give of yourself. Putting others first will size and correct the size of your ego. If you feel like you're number one, start serving. Start serving. And if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you need to serve, you might need to check your ego. I don't know. But that's just something for me. Uh, number five, I will strive to finish well. I will strive to finish well. For me, I look where I've been putting my focus. I look where I've been putting my focus. If I see things are going awry, I things are going haywire or out of control, I look where I've been putting my focus. If my focus has been on the wrong things, things are going to fall apart. 
Scripture says, if I put my eyes on Jesus, I guess what? Things may not be perfect, but I will triumph through them. And I will finish well. You know, one of the things in the funerals, in the last five weeks, in the last five weeks, I've had some of the most trying times in my life. Five weeks ago, I lost the most godly woman in my life, my mother. She was my counsel. She was a servant of God. And if anybody asked at the funeral, at different times, everything she was, how can I help you? That was her words known by everybody. And whenever she helped anybody, they would say thank you. Her words were, my pleasure. That was my mother. And I lost her five weeks ago. And she went to be home with the Lord. Praise God. Four weeks ago, I lost my oldest brother. And he had a rough year fighting his illness. And unfortunately, I lost him as well, who was a man of God. He was a humble man. He gave of himself. He served people. He, it's amazing the people in the stories that I heard of what he's done for him without anybody knowing. And lastly, y'all know my closest friend, my, one of my mentors, Alan. And in three weeks, three weeks, I lost Three of the closest people to me. That was a trying time. But you know what? God is faithful through it all. He has sustained me. He has held me up. He has held my wife up through this all as well. Because I'll tell you, my wife is my paraclete. My wife is my partner. She has been there through it all with me. My mother was her mother. Her best friend. Because she didn't have a mother that loved her and grew her. But my mother stepped in. My oldest brother was the clown, was the friend, was the counsel, was the joker for my wife to lift her spirits up. And Alan, my wife, was actually their business secretary for the last 18 years. We have been to Ghana together to serve with Alan and Passy for the last 22 years. 18 trips. We lost that in our life and my wife lost that. And together, we have stood together by God's grace and strength. So does this work? Because you understand the character that I have been working on, because I'm not finished yet. The character of who I am in Christ, I have been working on because I've been conscious about it. I have been intentional to change the character that is in me to be Christ-like. And that is what I am bringing to you today. 
You see, because I've learned that I need to find time. And I encourage you to find times in the next few weeks to find somewhere to serve or someone to serve purposely. When you don't want to, do it. Serve. Find that time. Along with that, make it a habit to find that character as I was talking about. Make it a habit. Because there's other habits in our lives that are going to take us down. And I'm talking out of experience, y'all. I'm not talking to you about being a pastor or anything. I'm telling you from experience. I don't want you to have to experience those pitfalls. I'm coming to you, telling you, and begging you, look and build your character. In America, unfortunately, and in so many countries, we find racism. I don't care what color you are. I don't care. I'm getting a little darker, I think. I think I am. Am I getting a little darker? I'm getting a little darker. But I'm looking at the character of the individual. Because the character of the individual, you may see them as a wonderful saint. You may see them as a savior. You may see them as something. But I'm telling you, the character of the individual will come out just over time. It will be revealed. Work on your character. Fellowship with other believers that are doing the same thing, that are like-minded. You'd be surprised. Not only will you grow in the church, but you will also grow in your businesses. You don't have to be a pastor, but if you're of high character, your business will grow. If you're of high character, people will look for you to help. If you're of high character, they will speak of you as a person with respect. They will come to you. Your family will become a family of growth. And one of the things, then the last thing I want to close with, is I want you to understand... Oh, hello. I lost my leash for a moment. You have to understand that things will be this way. And the way you do things and the way you work with people... Can I borrow you a second for just a second here, Brother Dennis? You see, in our friendships and our relationships, we should be standing side by side and working with one another. But I would encourage you to start growing other people. Bring people up. Because what happens is time, and you'll see this, and you've seen this in society, people, when you're trying to bring them up or other people are trying to bring others up, they're doing it this way. And the problem is, is as they're bringing them up, they're keeping them down. Yeah. And they're keeping them further down. What's the matter? Your knees are giving out? Okay. Uh, you keep getting them down and down. But look what's happening to me. Yeah, coming down. Are you doing it? I'm also coming down. But here's what happens. Look what happens when I start pulling them up and bringing them up. And I start growing myself. And I start bringing myself. Look what happens to the other people. And their knees don't go bad. 
The only reason why your knees should go bad is because you're spending so much time on them in prayer. Not because somebody's pushing you down or you're pushing them down. Thank you, brother. I'm going to charge, challenge you in the next few months. Because this is a body of Christ. This is a church of God. But this is not the whole church. You know what the whole church is? You are. You are. You are. You are. You are. You are the church. I'll ask you, and I experienced this. If this building burned down, if it went to the ground, where would the church be? Would it be finished? Would it walk away? Or would I go look for somewhere else? Oh, they have a better building over here. Now, I see we don't have air conditioning here, but maybe I need to go to a church that has air conditioning. No. The church is you. And what exemplifies the church is the character it presents to the community. If there is deceit in this church, that's what the community sees. If there is immorality in this church, that's what the community sees. If there is something that is not of the Word of God, that is what this community sees. So I ask you and I challenge you, what is your character? Because your character is what they see of this church. If you are facing that and you're realizing, hmm, my character's not that good, guess what? You're not stuck there. It's terrible being stuck. You don't have to be. Do those simple things we talked about today. Those simple little things. And I'm going to let you know something. Did I quote Scripture through all of this? No. You know why I didn't? And I told Dennis I was going to do this. I wasn't going to be quoting Scripture through it because guess what? If you want to find everything I told you today, go to the book of Proverbs. Go to the book of Psalms. And you will find those. And I challenge you to tell me I'm wrong. I want you to look in the Word of God and find it and say I'm wrong. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the Word of God does not come back void. I'm going to close with this. This is my last words. If you choose, because it is your choice, that's the amazing thing about our God. He didn't force you that you have to come worship me. It was a choice. When Christ was on the cross for hours, the man on the left and the man on the right on the cross cussed Him. Called Him names. Berated Him. 
Did one of the men on the cross recognize something? He recognized he was wrong. He recognized that he needed to repent. He recognized that the man in the middle, the man next to him on that cross, was blameless. The man on that cross was being crucified for him, even though he was right next to him. And he said it, as the one on the other side said, and cursed him. The other man said, stop, for he is sinless. We are just. What is happening to us is just. But this man does not deserve what he's getting. And he asked, remember me. And what did he say? What did Jesus tell him? Today. Today. You will be with me. Even though we've sinned. Even though we fail. Even though we fall on our face. He is faithful and just to forgive you. And I ask you to turn to Him and ask for that forgiveness and seek everything you have in you to follow Him. Change the character and be that character of Christ. Philippians 2.5 says, Have that mind that is in Christ. And in Luke it goes back to, Nothing is impossible. If you think you can't be saved, you think you can't be changed, His own words said, nothing is impossible with God. But remember that last two words, with God. Thank you. That's an honor. This is a place of respect and honor, and I recognize that. For the men who stand here weekly and serve you and share with you their hearts and pour out the Word of God to you, I thank you, gentlemen. I thank you for the honor and the opportunity to stand here. Why? Because you are leading some great people. And I pray that He will continue to anoint you and bring you forward and make this a true place of worship.